Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, the U.S. stock market rallying this week. What is behind it? We will talk to Peter Chur from Breen Capital. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. How you doing out there in podcast land, everybody? Paul and Stephen here in the studio and a packed house today. Packed house today. In the studio with us, we have the market Two of our, our market maniacs, Ben Eisen and Samya Vaishapayan. And we have on the line, we have Peter Chur from Breen Capital. And why are we bringing all this brain power together, folks? Uh, because since this is, this is Wednesday afternoon, roughly we're doing this, since yesterday's opening bell, the Dow is up more than 300 points. The S&P has jumped. Now it's around 2090. We have sort of a big rally without a really sort of fundamental reason. There was no one piece of news that jumped out at people yesterday and said, now is the time to buy. But you have had a lot of buying. The question is, why? So... Peter, uh, you wrote a a sort of interesting piece here, and that's why we wanted to have you on and why we wanted to talk to you about it. Do you think – and what you were talking about was was that at least part of this is a a short squeeze. Do you think it's it's part of it or do you think it's all of it or or what do you think is going on right now? You know, I think a big part of it is a short squeeze. When I looked at the markets, we saw – several different areas where you saw a lot of evidence of people being underweight or extremely bearish. If you looked at the commodity space, you saw outflows out of oil, commodity out of copper, and inflows into gold. So I would view that as very you know, bearish. You've seen outflows out of the equity space, but I think even worse than that, if you dig deeper, you've actually had outflows out of anything that's high beta, technology-oriented, and inflows into things like utilities, um, into real estate, into some of these low-volatility funds. So there's kind of been a self-de-risking. So it doesn't show up as a net outflow, but the reality is people have been shrinking their risk in the equity exposure. And then the final piece of the puzzle I think you guys have talked about a couple months ago as well is this whole growth in all these VIX-related products, these ETFs that are basically betting against are betting on volatility increasing, and we're seeing put-call ratio. So I think you had this kind of confluence of events where everyone had become very, very bearishly positioned, and that's been a big, big driver of this move. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Samia, your piece for the Morning Money Beat, our newsletter this morning, uh, touched on an aspect of that also in that there is there has not been – much enthusiasm for stocks. And I know it's almost impossible to talk about the U.S. stock market as, as an illiquid market, mm-hmm. but it is it is certainly less liquid. Yeah, I mean, we had um, one of the days this week was the second lowest volume day in the stock market. Right. And that just this kind of, year. This, this year. year yeah. And it just underscores how people just aren't super excited about U.S. stocks right, right now. I mean, you can see it in a, a number of metrics. Uh, if you look at the options market, uh, bullish call options are significantly cheaper than bearish put options on the S&P 500. Um, if you look at moves after earnings, uh, stocks are posting bigger than average moves on the downside, mm-hmm. but stock gains aren't as big. It, it just There are like lots of different pieces that, that show that people aren't jumping into the stock market. Right. And I think, I think an interesting point here is, yes, people definitely aren't excited about the market, but it doesn't seem like people are 
necessarily all getting out at once. Yes, you've seen outflows from the equities market, but you've also seen sort of like a, a lot of inter uh, a, a lot of rotation within sectors. Um, I know Peter mentioned high beta stocks, and people are going from that to like low vol, uh, low vol names, which uh, seems to be sort of a rotation. You have the defensive sectors, so I, I think there is sort of an element that maybe some people, at least, are sort of trapped in this market that they 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 don't have a high level of confidence that the market will keep going up, but. Yeah, at the same time, they can't really get out. Right. Well, and look, I mean, you're always going to have fund managers and institutional investors and, and professionals who, who have to be invested in the stock market, right? I mean, that's just – they're just there. They're never going to disappear. They're not like retail investors who could say, oh, my God, I don't trust the market. I'm out, you know? So you're always going to have that. The, the thing I think is interesting, Peter, to, to bring you back in is a, a sort of a, a – Big funda, and I, I wrote it myself. You know, yesterday was that a big fundamental thing was you know, oh, people aren't worried about the Fed. You know, the Fed has come out; they said they're going to raise rates. They're not worried about it. Do you think that that was part of it, or again, to get back to your idea of a, a short squeeze, that it's not so much about the Fed this time; it's more about the the market internals, or what's the combination of factors there? I think it's a combination. So I was looking yeah. at this, you know, bearish bet as being very supportive for the market, but it was looking for a catalyst. And I think we had a few little things that added up to just enough. One, we had the Fed put June on the table, and mm-hmm. the market's actually held in fairly well, right? We sold off a little bit as the Fed talked June onto the table. But the fact that we held takes some of that fear off. So I think that was good. You're seeing the polls coming out saying that Brexit is less likely than it had been before, so that's helping. Right, right. You're starting to see some resolution in Greece. All these little things did, kind did of Did you say resolution or revolution? <laughs> resolution. <maybe>. Oh, res, yeah. <laughs> for, for now. For um, now, right. So I think it's all the you know all those little things added together, and when you had such bearish positioning, now you are going to start seeing some of that you know beta chasing where people are going to underperform. If you look at it, it's one reason I think the S and P's outperformed, say Nasdaq this year, right? It's a clear evidence of this kind of shift from higher beta into lower beta names, and so now you're going to get again some fund managers who are underperforming who I think will feel the need to chase and cut these shorts. Yeah. Um, and retail, I think, is shorter than they've ever been through some of these VIX products. SDS is another ETF out there that's attracted money, which is double short. So I suspect you're going to see some retail say, hey, you know, this game of being short isn't as much fun as it sounds. Hmm. So that will provide that yeah. covering rally. And what do you guys think? I want to get everyone's opinion on this. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. This is the week before Memorial Day weekend. I mean, a lot of people have already taken off. They're gone already. Uh, uh, Peter, especially, I mean, do you, do you think any of what we're seeing this week is just the fact that there are fewer people around? You know, I think that's a part of it. I think I certainly back the idea that all markets are less liquid. And I think the one thing that people forget is this lack of liquidity tends to be a focus on the downside. It's just as real on the upside. So this lack of liquidity, no one really willing to sell, no one willing mm-hmm. to bet against the trend, happens both directions right now. So we're seeing that. And I think people took, you know, sell in May, go away a little bit too literally, and we're selling early April this right. year. So there's not that big selling pressure yet. So, yeah, this, and this tends to be a very low volatile period of time. Once you start entering that early phases of the summer, people focus on vacation. So all these things, I think the seasonality, all working that same direction, which is pushing stocks higher in a kind of a vacuum almost. Yeah, I mean, I talked to a trader this morning um, who focuses on financials, and he said that he's seeing a mix of real buying and short covering um, among the big banks. So I, there is like there is activity out there. People are buying and selling, and and maybe to some degree the you know less vol- you know fewer people yeah. trading could exaggerate moves, but I don't think we should ignore it. 
Right. Or right. Write it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't trying to, to cut you off, Sama, by giving you the, the rap thing. I was saying after your next answer, we would take a break. So uh, did, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I wasn't trying to cut I'm you off. I'm all set. All right. <laughs> so you got my signal. You knew what I was, where I was going with that? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I I was signaling for a break. We are going to that take a break. That awkward moment. That awkward moment. Uh, we are going to take a break, and we'll come back with more from the Market Maniacs from Peter Chur, and we'll talk about where this may all be headed. So stay tuned. Hi, this is Jason Gay, sports writer at the Wall Street Journal, and I have a podcast called Free For All. And guess what? It's not just sports. We'll also talk about some real estate, some music, some culture, some fashion. I could talk about fashion. It's the Free For All. Become a subscriber on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. And check us out at WSJ.com slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Paul Vini, Stephen Grosser, Ben Eisen, Samia Vaishapayan, and Peter Chur on the phone from Breen Capital. Uh, Peter, again, a lot of this we're, we're keying off the, the note that you wrote. You have an interesting, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, when you talk about where the S&P 500 is going, do you see it going to a record high? Yeah, I think we are actually going to break through 2150 on this move mm-hmm. and potentially, you know, get to the 2200 level. And for me, what I think that's really very likely to happen. I think this positioning is there, and I think there's been enough data that's been ignored. There's a chance of, you know, some sort of fiscal stimulus coming out of Japan. So all these things, I think, interact to drive the markets higher. And for me, my bigger concern is going to be how quickly we get there. And to be honest, I don't like the price action of the last few days where I think if we get this steep sort of short covering decline, kind of, you know, for quote unquote, an all in type moment, that actually sets us up for a pretty steep decline because it will suck out the short, it will suck out the pessimism. So what I'd like to see is a longer, kind of more stable, a little bit back and forth grind higher. As I see this market, you know, accelerate like this and really take off, I will become very nervous, and then I will start getting bearish. But not until we hit, like, well above 2130, 2140 level. I mean, that's interesting because a lot of people have been talking for It's become apparent that the market has had a problem getting back to that 2131 level, which it hit last May, which was the record high. You really, you really think that just the the sort of internals, the guts that you're seeing now, point to that to a new record? And do you see it piercing that, going much higher? You know, that, that's no, you're one I of the few the, people I know who are actually calling for that. You know, again, I think this 2150. And one of the things that I watch is, you know, a lot of these technicians who've been calling tops and things like yeah. that. A lot of them will actually wind up turning positive once it goes through some resistance. You know, there's some talk if we close above 2090 tonight, that's good from a technical. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll see a lot of the technical people start to switch. And then the other thing is when I look at the markets, you go through one of those phases. It's been very easy to be bearish, talk about being bearish, and be kind of right. You know, we've kind of hung around in this age for a while. You start right. breaking through 2100, I think it becomes hard to state your bearish case. And again, I think all those things will give momentum to people saying, hey, you know what, this is for real, the rally's good, we're breaking new highs, and that's what will send us higher, bringing new money in and closing out short. I guess the to take the other point, I mean, we've been there before and we haven't broken that record, and it seems, the sentiment seems to be that every time we get a nice rally, people take money off the table. They're like, why don't I lock in a small profit while I can? Because most people don't expect the S&P 500 to rise significantly this year. Right. Um, there are just so many catalysts. I mean, their corporate earnings are disastrous. Um, valuations are stretched. 
there's so many uncertainties out there um, from yeah, I mean, uh, England. The to economy Greece. is not growing strongly. Yeah. The Fed is is jawboning a lot about rates. Not to, I mean, just to play devil's advocate with you, Peter, not to, to yep. really try to put you on the spot too much. But, I mean, just to pay, play devil's advocate, the, well, if, if I look at the broad sort of fundamental b- backdrop, I don't see a very – or maybe I'm wrong. You know, and look, we're journalists. Yeah, we're we're supposed to be you know, no. skeptical. And I agree with you. I think the fundamentals are not particularly good. I think the fundamentals don't truly justify that sort of move. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's everyone's kind of built so much of that in that I think, you know, fear and greed come in, and you will see that kind of pressure higher. And, you know, you cannot lose money every day in your hedges. You know, right. A little while make money on their hedges that they put on in February. And then they're kind of leading a little bit of money, but they feel they've done the right thing. They can pat themselves on the back and say, well, at least I'm hedged. And then all of a sudden you start losing money on your hedges. You start seeing, you know, stocks go up in your face. And I think that's what's going to drive us. I don't think fundamentals are great. And that's why, for me, I would be much more comfortable seeing a gradual rise. If we see this all-in type moment, then I think we're very set up for a steep pullback because the economy really can't justify it. So I'm kind of in this weird dilemma where fundamentally, I don't really see the bullish case, but it's this kind of preponderance of shorts and everyone's so bearish that, to me, really drives my bullish thesis, and so far, knock on wood, it's working. Right. You know, I'll take the devil's advocate uh, oh, here. the devil's advocate? For, for all of you guys, because, uh, and just say that maybe the fundamentals are better than we give them credit for. Um, you know, you have you have inflation that's starting to pick up, you have wages that are starting to pick up, and you have GDP, which is looks to be bouncing back in, in Q2 from Q1. Um, and yet uh you have you have a federal reserve that that sees an economy that's strong enough to even possibly raise rates in june uh perhaps earnings uh i mean earnings definitely fell for the fourth quarter in a row but you know it's possible this is the bottom here and all of that makes the case for the 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 economy being not red hot but strong enough to keep plodding along and that and that kind of uh, leads us to sort of applauding higher in 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 stocks. Uh, you know, maybe not tomorrow. Uh, maybe it'll take a while. But 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 yes, perhaps we could break those records again. I'm gonna, I'll step in and take his opposite point. I mean, I think so. You're playing devil's advocate yeah, to, to the him. devil's advocate yeah. to the devil's advocate. <laughs> I think there are three things that sort of the market has been focused on for the past. You know, since last August, I mean, before that, it's China, it's oil, and it's the Fed. And this rally was driven by the Fed becoming more dovish, which, you know, allowed the dollar to rise, which underpinned a lot of sort of, you know, the sort of trading that we saw in, in the rally. The Fed is – if it's, the Fed's becoming more hawkish. We've seen in the last three weeks that while the U.S. stocks might not have been hit that hard, that did put a pause on the rally. Emerging markets have pulled back. And, you know, oil is held up. Now, if oil in, in every, you know, it's been sort of these supply disruptions we've seen. But if oil pulls back, you have a strengthening dollar that it hurts corporate earnings. What is going to be the sort of catalyst as the Fed raises rates to sort of support the stock market? Yeah. Well, and, yet, and yet oil has not pulled back yet. And, and oil, let's talk about oil. Yeah. Yeah. Oil is pushing up towards 50 last time I checked. Yeah, it could, uh, th- there was speculation it could break those levels today, which I mean, who knows? But today being Wednesday, um, right. that's that is a key level. That's a that's a level that that um, that some oil producers have said that they'll start ramping up production again, and which and is going to send of, oil back down. Which is going to send the price back down. Right? <laughs> I don't I don't think it can send it back down as far. I think a couple of things have gone on. One, we're actually starting to see some demand pick up. So I think the past couple of days, some of the industry numbers are showing some sort of demand and decent drawdowns. But I think the other thing is. 
the Saudis uh, in particular, I think, miscalculated on what would happen. I don't know whether they fully understood how you know, U.S. Right. bankruptcy courts work or whatever, but <laughs> ultimately they have a much higher cost of production once you take into account all the benefits they promised to pay their people. Mm -hmm. Even today, Kate Qatar announced a five-year, 10-year, 30-year bond deal. You've had Saudis yeah. raising money. I think they underestimated how much pain their own economy would feel at $38 oil. So I don't think we get much below 40. I think we've kind of set new ranges here, 40 to 60 maybe. Mm -hmm. And it's partly because they thought they would benefit a lot maybe from low oil. It did not work out to their advantage. And all it does here, if you get these bankruptcies, it's just going to drive down our costs. So I think we're going to stabilize to a slightly better range than we've been in the past six well, months. All right. Uh, let's leave it there. Peter Chur from Breen Capital. Thanks for coming in today. Really appreciate the time. Uh, everyone, we want to thank you for listening as always, and we will talk to you very soon. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.